perhaps the most deceptively titled episode, The Origin of Species, was not actually about the fucking origin of species. But we'll go back to chapter 24 to see what it actually is about today. So I hope you enjoy. Biology for Bastards, teaching biology in the most profane way you've ever seen or heard. I'm your host, John Doty. Thanks for listening. This season, we're going through AP Biology one chapter at a time. This week, we're on to chapter 24, which is titled The Origin of Species, but it's not even fucking about Darwin. Like, what the shit? Anyways, it's still really cool. So we're just going to dive right in. So, last week we talked about microevolution. So, how everything changed within a single gene pool. This week, we're talking really about speciation, the actual origin of species. Not the book, but how species actually originate. So, we're looking at macroevolution this time. So, that's change above the species level. Um, So, we are going to focus on the biological species concept. There's a bunch of others, bunch of other species concepts out there that we're gonna address a couple of them towards the end, but we're really gonna focus on the biological species concept because that's the one that most people use or most people think of when they talk about what the fuck a species actually is. So in this idea, a species is when you have a population or a group of populations whose members have the potential to breed and, very importantly, produce viable, fertile offspring. So, in other words, they are reproductively compatible. So, they can have the babies with each other, their babies can have the babies, there's babies, babies can have the babies, all the way down the line. Now, when you have a new species forming, what you end up with is reproductive isolation, because we do care about whether or not they can fuck each other and have babies. So... Reproductive isolation is any sort of barrier that prevents members of two species from producing viable, fertile offspring. And because they're not producing viable, fertile offspring, they are two different species, according to this definition. There's a shit ton of reproductive barriers. There are um, eight of them. Okay? And they are grouped whether they are prezygotic or postzygotic. Hopefully you know what those words mean. Zygote is where the egg is fertilized by the sperm. So you have barriers that happen before that happens. So it's something that either keeps them from mating or prevents fertilization from happening. And then post-zygotic barriers are something that prevents the zygote from actually developing into a viable, reproductively successful organism. So um, we're going to run through all these real quick. And this is the really interesting shit when it comes to how species actually come about. So kind of from the most reproductive isolated to the least. Here we go. First up, we're going to talk about habitat isolation. So it's a type of prezygotic barrier. So prezygotic barriers are more isolated than postzygotic because it's happening before the zygote actually happens. So habitat habitat isolation 
got a little excited there talking about all this sex. Habitat isolation is when they are physically separated. They're not even in the same fucking place. So how the hell are they going to reproduce if they're not even in the same region? So that's super obvious. Next up is temporal or temporal. I've heard it both ways. Temporal, 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 isolation. That is where things are mating at different times. It might be different times of day. It's usually like different times of the year. Like you're ready to breed early in the season and I'm not ready to breed until later in the season. You're not going to fucking wait around for me to get ready. You want your babies now. You're going to have your babies now. Okay, so you're going to find somebody who's ready to make some babies before I'm good. Um, next up is behavioral isolation. So this is where you're going and you basically have different tastes. That's where sexual selection comes in. Um, so there's some, you're not even mating yet. You're just don't find them attractive. So you're not even going to try. So those three are like super isolated where you're not even attempting to make babies with each other. You're not even mating. You're not even trying. You're just saying, nope, no thank you. Move it the fuck along. Not getting with this. Deuces, gooses. See you later. Now, my favorite one is the most isolated that happens with a mating attempt. And it's called mechanical isolation. And basically, the dick doesn't fit into the lady bits. Pretty much. The parts don't match up. And, you know, when you talk about this in class, you're a lot more, you know, careful with what you're saying. You use these snails and there's like, I think it's like clockwise and counterclockwise. And their mating bits are on one side and they can't get the mating parts to line up. Basically, the any and the Audi don't fit together. So they are mechanically separated. And they just can't get the P and the V. It just doesn't work. So that's my favorite. Mechanical isolation. No P in the V because the shit don't fit. Um, now, assuming that the shit don't do fit, assuming that the shit does fit, the P in the V they mate it looks like it works but you can get gametic isolation and that's where the sperm won't even fertilize the egg you can do the deed you can do the nasty you can fuck you can do whatever you want to call it but the sperm will not fertilize the egg that's gametic isolation and that's the least isolated you can get as a prezygotic barrier because anything further along it's pozygotic. The sperm does fertilize the egg. And that's where we get three different things. Um, so you have the zygote. And it can either develop into a gross, sickly, not healthy individual. Okay, that's called reduced hybrid viability. So that's where the hybrid, the F1 generation, the first offspring, they're just not that viable. So they exist, but it's something you don't want. It's gross, it's shit, it's garbage, nothing. Beyond that is reduced hybrid fertility. That's what you get with ligers and tigons and mules and hennies, where you get that F1 generation, you get the first generation hybrid, but it is not fertile. 
So you can get a totally healthy offspring, but it's never going to have babies of its own. And then lastly, the least reproductively isolated scenario is called hybrid breakdown. Hybrid breakdown. And hybrid breakdown is where you might get that F1 and it's totally healthy. It might even be able to reproduce and make an F2. So you can get grandkids of the initial cross. But that's going to be a little sickly. May not even give you an F3. So it's that breakdown as you go through and it just doesn't make what you're trying to trying to do anything. It just sucks. So F1 might be good. F2 is a little... Eh, F3 is just shit. F4 doesn't even exist. So those are different types of reproductive barriers. Going from most isolated to least isolated. Real quick, it's habitat isolation, temporal isolation, behavioral isolation. Those all happen before the mating attempt. Then you have mechanical isolation, my favorite. Gametic isolation, those all happen post-mating, but pre-fertilization. And then that leads us to our post-zygotic barriers, reduced hybrid viability, reduced hybrid fertility, and hybrid breakdown. So those are all types of um, reproductive isolation that's important when you're talking about the biological species concept. But like I said, there were other types of species concept. There's the morphological concept, which is where the species are determined by body shape, size, other structural features, so morphological stuff, the body. There's ecological species, which is defined by the role or the niche within the community. There's the phylogenetic concept, where it's based on common ancestry and the tree of life. There's a bunch of others, um, but those are kind of the, you know, the big three runner-ups. Most people look at it as the biological species, whether or not they're able to make those viable offspring. And no matter which one you're really talking about, but really focusing on the biological, but it does work on all the others, there's really two ways that speciation comes into effect. You can have allopatric speciation or sympatric speciation. Now, Patrick, it has the same root as like patriotic. It has to do with homeland. Allopatric, allo means other. Sim means together, like symbiosis. They're working together. So allopatric speciation is where the populations are geographically isolated. So that goes way back to the habitat isolation that we talked about, the prezygotic barriers. It's caused by some sort of geological event or something where the populations get physically separated and then the evolution between the species, or I shouldn't say between the species, the evolution of the single species into new species is a result of natural selection or genetic drift. A sympatric speciation is when the ranges of the two populations are overlapping. So this happens through a bunch of different things um, where you have polyploidy, having an effect and preventing gene flow. You have sexual selection, selecting for or against something, creating two different subpopulations. You have habitat differentiation. You can have all sorts of stuff happening where even though there's overlapping range, even though they could reproduce if they wanted to, for whatever reason, they're not. 
So this is getting to like the behavioral isolation level, maybe even the temporal or temporal isolation. Um, but with that, in plants, you can have this process known as autopolyploidy, where you end up with extra sets of chromosomes because cell division just gets fucked up. So instead of being two in, suddenly all of us, I almost said suddenly all of a sudden, fuck. It's late in the day. Mistakes happen. Suddenly, all of a sudden, you go from being a two-in individual to four-in. You're now tetraploid instead of diploid. And maybe you end up being like octoploid or decaploid or whatever the fuck you call sixaploid. Sexaploid? That almost sounds weird. But that's just autopolyploidy, where you just spontaneously become polyploid, and that kind of isolates you from being able to reproduce with another individual. But what it uh, can allow is reproduction with yourself. So plants can be, you know, according to the biological model, become reproductive reproductively isolated in a single generation through this process of autopolyploidy. Now, there is this idea of allopolyploidy, not to be confused with autopolyploidy, it's allopolyploidy, where you can have two species producing a weird-ass hybrid that then can reproduce with itself, um, maybe reproduce with one of the original parent species, but you just end up with something that has a brand new um, ploidy number and is unique from either of the species that it came from. So that's kind of fucking cool. And that brings us to hybrid zones, which is where you have the, these reproductive barriers just kind of starting. So you don't have complete reproductive isolation. Um, it's where it's just starting to happen. And you really you have three options when you have these hybrid zones. The hybrid zone be, could, could be reinforced, where it keeps separating further and further apart so the hybrids become more and more different from each other eventually where the two sub populations are no longer subpopulations of their own unique populations so think disruptive selection that we talked about last time where it's just pulling apart gradually and they become so separated that they can't reproduce with each other so that's the reinforcement of the hybrid zone you're reinforcing that reproductive barrier that's where it comes from you can have fusion where you pull the hybrids back into one population. So that's like you're starting to separate, but then for a variety of reasons, you stay the same population. You become more similar. And there's a really good visualization of this on the slides on the website, biologyforbastards.com. It wouldn't be a show now if I didn't plug the website. And then the last one is stability, where you're not becoming more different, but you're not becoming more similar. You're just kind of maintaining that distance apart, where you might have some that can make hybrids, but not every individual. Um, so that's stability. Then we got a bunch of fucking examples of bears and shit that can make hybrids. Like, you take the grizzly and the polar, and you can get the growler bear or the pizzly bear, and you can mix this bear with that bear and that all this other shit just examples of hybrids, hybrid zones. Um, Groller bears or pizzly bears are becoming more common as polar bears are having to migrate south or navigate south as the sea ice is not 
existing. So they're starting to overlap with the grizzly territory and they can make viable offspring. So that's a fun little thing. I don't know if growler bears can reproduce. So I don't know if that's, you know, hybrid breakdown or reduced hybrid fertility. I don't know which scenario that is, but polar bears and grizzly bears are unique species. So there's something going on there. Um, and then kind of summing everything up, as far as measuring how quickly all this shit's happening, there's two areas of thought. There's the field of gradualism and the way of thinking called punctuated equilibrium. So how quickly are these changes happening? So gradualism, as the name implies, happens gradually. Big fucking surprise there. Okay, so you have a common ancestor and you're just slowly shifting into a new one. And in contrast to that is punctuated equilibrium. So equilibrium, you stay the same. Punctuated, there's little periods in there where there's rapid change. So you maintain for a long time, then conditions change. The organisms are forced to change very quickly, but then they maintain for a while until something else changes and they're forced to change again. So it's believed that most things... Uh, most things evolve through punctuated equilibrium. Not everything, but that's the idea. And with that, that brings us to the end of chapter 24, The Origin of Species. And yeah, kind of a short evolution one compared to the other ones. But it does have some of my favorite material in it. So... This brings us to the end. We do all the fun shit, like follow us on the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're at Bio for Bastards on all of those. Check out our website, biologyforbastards.com, where we've got all the show... I don't, I don't know if I'd call them show notes. we got PowerPoints that you can follow along with for each episode. Um, the archive of every episode we've done. Um... A little bit about me, the host, contact form. If you want to send us something, shout out. Where you have any suggestions, any ideas, anything you like or don't like. I'm always open for suggestions to make this better. Um, keep spreading the word. Rating, subscribing, going on I store Apple shit. I don't know what it's called. Going on Apple Podcasts and giving us a five-star review say something nice so I can read it and feel good about myself and just tell everybody you know because we're getting towards the end I think we're in single digits episodes until the end of the season there will definitely be a season two I'm working on it I'm coming up with ideas so when this one's done do not be upset there'll be a short break after you know the next seven episodes because that's what we've got left and we'll be back. I feel like that was a super awkward transition or super awkward little thing. So I'm just going to shut up. Our intro and outro music is the song Feeling Good by Purple Planet Music. I've been your host, John Doty. And until next time, thanks for listening.
So you may have just heard an ad, but I can't end with an ad. So just wanted to say, follow us on Twitter at Bio4Bastards. Um, our intro and outro music is Feeling Good by Purple Planet Music. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, tell everybody you know about it. And again, thanks for listening.